Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Today, we're going to be talking about found purpose. Because purpose is something that all of us, we need and we crave. And without it, we wouldn't be able to just be human. We wouldn't be able to be who we are. And so we want to talk about how sometimes we feel lost in our purpose, but we want to see how God allows us to find that. Uh, I think just because purpose is something that we all crave for, uh, I would wager to guess that most of us, we we have felt purposeless at some time or some point in our lives. Um, Just a show of hands, how many of us, we believe life has some kind of meaning or purpose? There's some purpose in this world. Yes? Okay, most of us. Those of you who are on Zoom, you can raise your hands too and participate with your life group. Um, how, how many of us, we feel like we know what our life purpose is? Show of hands. Okay, a lot fewer of us. Or maybe you're just like, I don't want to, I know, but I don't want to boast or brag or humble brag or whatever you want to call it. How many of us, we or I don't feel very purposeful in my major or my job or my current vocation. I don't feel like there's much purpose in that. Okay, some people are very proud in the back, <laughs> very unashamed, but I'm, I'm betting many of you, especially some of you students coming up to final season, you're like, why am I taking this class, right? Why am I studying this degree? I hate this. You know, I don't like, insert your major, biology, right? Engineering, business, whatever you want to call it. Sorry, I'm picking on those majors. Those are the first things that came to mind. Or some of you, in your job, you're like, why am I in my job? It's so toilsome. It's so hard. It's so difficult. I don't like my colleagues. I don't like my boss. There's so many things that get us down. And I think if I were to ask us how many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us are really skeptical about whether or not we will really fully be able to find out our life purpose and live that out, I would guess most of us wouldn't be able to raise our hands or be confident about that. And there's something, there's something wrong, right? Like all of us, we raise our hands to say, yes, we believe life has a purpose, there's a meaning. But then when it comes to actually finding what that is, so few of us are confident that we're able to live that out. And that's the irony of the Christian life. We believe God has given us a purpose, but so few of us are able to live that in a, in a tangible way. I, I wanted to show us a video and I think uh, if you've been part of our church for long enough, like four plus years, those of you who've been with us since, since the beginning, you've probably seen this before. But I wanted to show it again because it really captures what actually happens when you're able to live a life of purpose. There's a video, uh, there's a comedian, his name is Michael Jr. He does, he's a Christian community, comedian, does different talks, and uh, he just does a segment where he really teases out in his interaction with a music teacher what it means to actually live a life of purpose. If you watch it before, please don't spoil it for the others around you. Uh, those, if you're watching it for the first time, just enjoy it. So let's watch this video together. Wow. How many of us we sing like that on Sundays? <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if all of us sing? Like, it would just, it would be bumping in here. I, I, I've watched that video so many times just because I so enjoy just that second rendition of Amazing Grace. It just... There's something about it that moves you. There's something about it that really stirs the heart. And you're like, wow, there's something amazing about that. And I think all of us, we, we tell the difference. It's really obvious. 
But I think the question or the problem is so many of us, we live our lives like the first song. We know what we're doing. We, we just go through the motions, but oftentimes we've lost it, but we don't know what our purpose is. Because we don't know what our purpose is, we don't actually end up living out the fullness of that purpose that God has given to us that we want to experience. But the, the, the interesting thing is that it's not out of grasp. It's not out of reach. It's not something that we can't experience. And if we were to understand God's process for us, God's purposes, His plan, then I believe that every single one of us, we can live that out. And that's what we want to talk about as we look at Ephesians 2. We're going to look at just one verse today. And I want to give us one thing. If we remember one thing from today's message, this one thing is that in order to find our life purpose, we must follow God's process. In order to find our life purpose, we have to follow God's process. So I want you to turn to Ephesians 2. We're just going to look at one verse today. Uh, if you do follow along with us on the mobile app, if you haven't downloaded it, just again, just go to the website, download it, hmcc.net, and you can download the mobile app, and then our notes will be there so you can follow along with different verse references and things like that. And hopefully you turn to Ephesians 2 uh, by now. We're just going to read one verse, and then uh, after we read that one verse, we're going to talk about three things that you need to be a part of in order to be part of God's process so that you can experience and find that life purpose. So let's read verses, uh, just one that one verse, Ephesians 2, verse 10. I'll read it in the English Standard Version. It says, For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the first thing, uh, there are three things that we have to be. The first thing is that we have to be found. And uh, we've been covering this whole sermon series called Found, and it's so appropriate that in order to actually be part of God's process and find our life purpose, we have to be found first. And when we look at this verse, we're going to unpackage it right before we get into the bulk of it, because I think many of us, we probably read this verse before, and we're like, oh, God's worksmanship, I am created by God, and you know that's great and amazing. But before we get into that, I just want to look at the, the word for. The very beginning, that, just that word for, because that word for is very, very important. Anytime you see those connective words like therefore or for or but or and, it means you need to look beforehand what happens before in order to understand the premise or the context that this verse is in. So if we look beforehand, we have to see there are three premises that the author Paul, he talked about when he was referring to how we are God's workmanship. The first premise, and I'm just going to list them out here, the first premise is that we were spiritually dead. For us to know that we were and we are God's workmanship, we have to know first that we were spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 in the New Century Version, it says this, In the past, you were spiritually dead because of your sins and the things that you did against God. There was nothing that we could do. We were spiritually dead before God in our sins. And the second premise is that God is the one who made us alive. Ephesians chapter 2, again, a couple of verses down, verses 4 to 6. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God was the one who made us alive. And the third premise is that it wasn't something that we earned or deserved. It wasn't something that we were able to merit on our own. Ephesians 2, 8-9. Many of us, we come on, some of you who are went on missions, you should know this verse. 
All right, so let's read it together. It'll be on the screen here. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So these are the three premises that we have to understand if we were to understand how we are found. That we were spiritually dead, number one. Number two, God is the one who makes us alive. And number three, that it wasn't something that we earned or deserve. And it really paints this picture that we have to know, the, this is the gospel, right? That we were dead in our sins, that it was God who found us, who made us alive, and it wasn't anything that we did we earned or deserved. That has to be the premise before we even see or look to the purpose that God has given to us. And for us to know that we were found by God, that means we have to admit that we were lost, that we were broken, that something was stolen or taken away from us. Let me just give some examples. Just, if we were to reverse these premises, because it's so important to know that we were found before we understand these things, then if we were to take any one of these premises out, what would happen? What would happen if we didn't believe that we were spiritually dead? What would happen if we believed that we were alive on our own, that, that we never were lost, we were never broken, we never experienced anything bad? Don't raise your hand. Okay? How many of us, we did really well growing up? Got straight A's. High school, right? Not college. <laughs> How many of us, we're doing well in our career, getting promotion after promotion? How many of us, we grew up in a really good family? We grew up in a Christian family. We've been going to church ever since we were in our mother's womb. Youth group president, all that great stuff, which are great. Those are great things. But when we've never, ever failed, quote, unquote, or when we feel like everything has gone well in our lives, we've never had any kind of failure or struggle, what is our life purpose typically? What do we live for? I'll wager to guess that most of us in that position, our purpose, our life purpose is to maintain that comfortable life. It's to maintain that comfortable, it's to keep life going as it's always been. Because it's great, it's comfortable. I'm achieving everything that I've set out to do. And what's the problem with that? It's all about whom? It's all about me. Second premise, what happens if we don't believe that God was the one who made us alive? Maybe some of us were over here, we're like, yeah, I've experienced some broken things, but I was able to fix myself. What happens to those kind of people? What do they end up doing? Let's say you failed an exam. That's never happened to anyone here before. What's your response? You, you constantly try to prove yourself. You try to work harder the next time. You study harder the next time. What happens if you get some criticism from your boss? What do you do? You try to prove yourself. You try to make sure your next project is delivered on time. You, well, what you do is you under-promise, and then you over-deliver, right? <laughs> some of you focus people, you know what that's like. And what are we constantly doing? Our life purpose becomes what? Proving ourselves. Proving that we can do it. Proving that we can overcome. And then it ends up being about what? Again, ourselves. Third premise, what happens if we believe that it was something that we did earn or that we did deserve? It's actually quite similar to the second one. 
we end up trying to constantly meet the expectations, even though we don't believe that we're able to fix ourselves. We believe we're able to do something in order to merit favor from God. This is the, this is the struggle that so many of us who grew up in church, we struggle with. Where we're constantly saying, oh, if only I read my Bible enough. If only I pray enough. If only I, oh, I went to life group three times in the last month. Then I earned or I deserve. And as soon as, as soon as you feel distant from God, as soon as you feel like God is not with you, then what do you conclude? Oh, I haven't been reading enough. I haven't been going to life group enough. And then it all becomes about what? Your own expectations. It's about you. What's the common denominator between all of these premises? Is that it makes it so that our purpose is centered around whom? Centered around me or you or you as the individual. And that becomes a really big problem. And some of us are like, well, why is that a problem, Pastor Bo? I don't see that as a problem. Like, I know I'm selfish, so what? I gotta, I gotta get my own. I have to figure out life. I gotta work hard. I have to get good grades in order to get an internship in order to provide for my family. You don't know my family situation. You don't know my background. You don't know my history. There's no other way. I think if you really think about it logically, if we say that our purpose in life, the greatest purpose that we have is for ourselves, what are we doing? We're elevating ourselves to the highest pinnacle or the most important thing in the whole universe, right? If the, if the purpose of the meaning of life is the most important thing you can understand and discover about who you are, your identity, your relationships, your career, your vocation, you're saying that is the most important thing. And if you make yourself the most important thing in the universe, what's going to happen? Essentially, you're making yourself God. You're making yourself the most important thing in the whole universe. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Well, yes, you are. That's essentially what you're saying, that I am the most important thing in the universe. I am the most important thing. I am the only thing that does, is worthy of my time, my energy, my purpose, and therefore all my resources should funnel into that. And, and most of us, we cannot bear that kind of burden because we are not big enough. We are not strong enough. We are, we are not perfect enough to bear that burden. Because what happens when you fail? What happens when you don't accomplish your purpose? What happens when you reach that goal that you set and then you become all of a sudden so dissatisfied? No wonder so much as we, we toil and we run after so many different things, but we don't feel fully satisfied with that purpose because we cannot we cannot be the most important thing in the universe. We cannot bear that load or that weight because we cannot fully satisfy ourselves. My, uh, my first job when I graduated was one of the hardest jobs I've had um, over the last, I don't know, three or four jobs I've had since, since I, I started working. And uh, I think I violated every single one of these premises <laughs> when I first started working. Uh, I, I got a job as a uh, IT consultant. I was doing like software consulting for uh, a company, and then we would build software. I would do. Uh, I was designing software for other companies, and uh, I had graduated with engineering degree. And I was like really bright-eyed, really excited. I was like, God, I just want to do this, and I want to do it well. 
but I ended up violating any, every single one of those premises. I, I would go into work, and then I, before that time, I don't think I could ever remember a time where I was, like, I was devastated and I failed. I felt like I was a self-made person, and I did everything that I, I could well, and I felt like, okay, I could do this job. Even though it wasn't specifically my major, I could do this. But then the problem is, whenever I would fall or stumble, I would get devastated. And then the second premise and the third premise, which is um, trying to somehow earn or deserve it or, or be able to do it on my own. Like every time I would get criticism from my colleagues, I would go back and try harder. I would study harder and I would go back and spend extra time. But every single time I would, that would end up happening, I remember sitting in this room getting like feedback from some of my colleagues and every single one of them were like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Right? That's just code for like, I don't think you should be here. And I just got devastated. I remember going back to my apartment and like literally I, I'd be in tears because I'm like, God, there's, I, I'm trying so hard. I, I thought I was good and I wasn't good. I wasn't as good as I thought I would be. And then secondly, not only was, am I not as good, I can't do anything in order to meet the expectation that I'm trying to set up for myself. And I just get devastated. And I realize like my purpose was so focused on myself or my own abilities that I couldn't see outside of myself. I don't know how many of you are like that. You're in this job and you're trying to achieve or you're trying to accomplish this, this performance or this promotion or you're, you're in this major and you're making it all about you. And you're constantly wondering why. Why am I not satisfied? Why am I not hopeful? I'm wondering if it's because you're not thinking outside of yourself. You're not thinking beyond yourself. I was living for myself. Instead of realizing my life is purpose for something else, I was living for myself. Martin Luther King Jr., I, you all know the civil rights champion, he said this in a speech in Detroit. He says, I submit to you that if a man hasn't discovered something he will die for, he isn't fit to live. If you make your purpose all about you, your life, saving your life, building your life, then I'm wondering if you're fit to live. What is it that you're willing to die for? Or what is it that you're dying for right now? Is it for yourself? Because if it's for yourself, then you will never find true life. That's what Jesus says, right, in, in, in the Gospels. He says, whoever would lose his life, or whoever would save his life, try to save his life, will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I'm wondering if we're trying to save our lives by focusing on ourselves because we don't think we're lost. We don't think that we're that bad or we think that we can accomplish things by ourselves. Then we're really missing out on the whole point, the whole point of God's purpose for our lives. Not only do we have to know that we're found, but the second thing is that we have to know, we have to know that we are formed. We have to be formed by God in order to understand our purpose. The second part of this verse, this is where we get into that section where it talks about we are his worksmanship, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. There are two things that we have to know that we are formed in these two ways in order to accomplish our purpose. The first way is creation. We are created. God is a creator God, and he has done amazing, wonderful things in order to form us 
to be who we are and to give us the purpose that we have. I want to read just that word worksmanship translated in a couple different translations. And the New Living Translation is translated as masterpiece. In the NIV, that word is translated as handiwork. And then in the Amplified, it's translated as masterwork, a work of art. I think when, when we think about just creation, whenever you create something, there's, there's an there's a effort or there's a purpose that goes into it. When, when an artist creates a painting, there's a purpose for it. When, when a product designer creates and designs a new product, there's a purpose for it. When a chef, he creates a new food, there's a purpose for it. It, it's, it's not, it doesn't exist for itself. The art doesn't just exist for itself. It doesn't exist so that it can enjoy itself. Can you imagine like a museum where an art is just put there just for itself and no one can go through? Or uh, a product that is created but is never to be used. Or a food that is created never to be eaten or enjoyed. That would be so sad. Can you, can you imagine if you cooked a meal and no one ate it? I mean, maybe if it's really bad, you're like, I don't want to eat this right now. Right? No, there's a reason. There's a reason why you create it. There's a reason why you put the energy and labor and ingenuity and the ingredients and, you know, you're in the kitchen. Like, maybe it's for your significant other that you're like, oh, I want to prepare something really nice. Why? Because you want to do something. You want to allow someone else to enjoy it. There's a purpose in creation. There's a purpose for why you're doing this. And God is the same way. His creator power. He has created us for something. He has formed us for something. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 14, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. What are we created for? Verse 14, what? To praise God. When the psalmist, he realizes, I am formed by God, what does he do? He praises God. He is fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are his works. We're created for God. We're created to praise him. We're created for just glorifying him, declaring his majesties. That is our identity. That is our purpose. We're created for a relationship with him, to enjoy him. We are formed for that. We are, we are dis, on display. We are supposed to be light. Our, our, our theme for our, for our, sorry, I don't know why I'm, I can't speak today. What is our theme for our church this year? Shine. We are created to what? Shine. To be lights. To, to illuminate the darkness around us so that God be, can be visible to so many people around us. We're created for that. He formed us for that. He has a purpose. We're not, we're not just created just to exist for ourselves. We're not just a bunch of random atoms put together. Because if you really believe in that, then you, you have to concede that the universe has no purpose because everything is just random. But if you believe there is a purpose, then you see that there, that purpose came from some kind of creator God that has formed you, has created you for something greater. The second thing that you have to know that we are, the way that we are formed is through transformation. Not only through creation, but through transformation. That phrase, created in Christ Jesus. Yes, it's creation, but that word created, it has a different meaning. I want to read it together 
for us in the Amplified. If you see uh, markings in the yellow, please read it together with me. The Amplified says, Created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used. Spiritually transformed, renewed. There's something that was old there and now is being changed, renewed for that purpose. Maybe that purpose was lost, but now it is being regained. In the New Living Translation, what does it say? It says, created us anew in Christ Jesus. That means there was something that was old, but now it is new. Now it has come back to life. That means we were formed, we were shaped, we were lost, but now we were found. We were broken, but now we were restored. It's not only the original intent that God has for us. Because yes, we were created, God created Adam and Eve in the garden for a, a purpose to glorify and have a relationship. But what happened? The fall happened and we are sinful. We sinned and we were broken. And we experience those effects every single day. So we are broken and sinful. But what happened? Because we lost our original purpose, what did God have to do? He had to transform us and change us so that we could be restored for the original purpose that we were given. I mean, just as an example, just think of any product that you use today. Think of that phone that you have. I would bet that most of us, this is not our first phone that we've ever had. You've had several other phones beforehand. Do you still keep it as a keepsake or a paperweight? I don't know. But typically what happens when you break your phone, I mean, some of you, you get it repaired, but it doesn't work the same way that it did originally, right? Like you, you drop your phone, like, oh my gosh. It's like you dropped a baby or something like that. And when it's broken, what happens? Its original purpose is now marred. Like when you got those cracks on your screen, you're like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. I can't read the same things. Or like, oh shoot, I'm like, it feels like I'm about to cut my thumb on the glass that is, you know, shattered. It doesn't work the same way. It's not effective in the same way. And what, what do we do with an old broken phone? Recycle it if you're sustainable, <laughs> trying to be conscious about the environment. We just throw it away. Can you imagine if God did that? To us, if we were broken, he just threw us away. But that's not what he does. He renews us. He transforms us. Because the brokenness that we've experienced prevents us from living out the purpose that we had originally. But he says, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm forming you, transforming you so that you can go back to your original purpose. I think the problem, there's two issues that we typically run into, is number one is we try to fulfill God's purpose without willing to be formed by God. That's one. Like, we're like, yeah, God, this is great. I believe that you want me to be a business person, make lots of money, tie to the church, you know, and that's how I'm going to fulfill my purpose. But the problem is that you're not willing to go through the fire that God wants to put you through in order to get there. I don't know how many of us, we're in LCG, we're in mentorship relationships with some of the older brothers and sisters in our church. We've been through that, done that, and you're like, yeah, I'm not, man, I'm not into that anymore. Or you've been challenged by someone. You're like, no, you got defensive. You're like, no, that's not for me. Or maybe you went through a really a big trial or, or decision that you had to make, 
and you got bitter at God, you're like, God, why am I having to go through this? God, just give me that. Give me that career. Give me that promotion. And some of us, we think that we're able to live out God's purpose without God forming us. I'm wondering if we're missing the point because God wants you to be formed so that you can actually take that thing that God wants you to get to. Just even for myself, my, my journey in becoming a pastor, I think if, if God had spoke to me any earlier than when he did back in 2017, I think I would have ran away. Because when I, when I first started praying seriously about becoming a pastor, I think my p- first two concerns was, number one, I feel like I'm going to not enjoy it. I'm going to be burnt out. I'm going to see it as an obligation. And number two is that I feel like I'm just not going to be good enough. <laughs> be horrible. Like, I hated public speaking growing up. Uh, I'm terrified of like, seeing large crowds. Many of you know like, I'm really introverted, so large crowds like, really terrify me. Uh, you know, like, I'm usually on the edge of the crowd, so like, being up front is a little bit okay for me. But I was like terrified. And I'm like, God, there's no way. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. But it was really through a series of events that I just don't have time to share everything now. But God really broke so many of those just idols and fears and insecurities in me over and over again. Hard conversations I had to have with my mentors. Challenging times where I had to really look inside my heart and see, man, there's some, some character issues in my heart. There's some value issues in my heart. There's some ways that I am not living the life that God wants me to live. And it wasn't until that point where I was able to work, not that everything is worked through fully, but a point where I said, God, I'm at a point where now I can say yes to the purpose and calling that you've given to me. Again, if it was any earlier, I would have I said no way. And so many of us were like, God, give me that purpose without the formation, the refining, the fire that God wants to bring us through sometimes. That we might re- not realize, but the very trials and difficulties that we're going through maybe are the things that God is trying to get our attention with. Though that's one side, the other side, some of us, we think that we're too broken for God to transform us. We think, we think that we're too insecure or too, uh, you know, focused on ourselves. Like, God, I'm, I'm never going to be able to overcome this. But you're just the other side of the same coin, that insecure pride. That if God is the creator of the universe, he formed you, he created you, can he not reform you? Can he not remake you into something? Can he not restore you into something that's greater? I love what Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 15 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to what? Fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Man, how many of us, we, we want to be able to say, yes, I am, I am shining, I am blameless, I am pure. We, we desire that, we want that, we hope for that. We want life to look like that. We want our reputation to be good. We want other people to be influenced by us. But how many of us, we miss that part that says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. 
It's not going to be easy. Working out your salvation doesn't mean you have to earn your salvation. Salvation is not only that moment that you accept and you believe you had faith. It is the whole process of sanctification. Now this life that you said, I'm committed to Christ. Now Christ says, I have a hold on your life. Your life is now mine. You're bought with a price. And now you have a whole new value system that you're going to live by. And now I'm going to work on you. And it's going to be hard. I'm going to put you through fire. I'm going to put you through difficulties. But you have to know those difficulties are so that, what? So that you can fulfill my good purpose. God's good purpose. How many of us, we want to shine? What has God revealed through your LCG times? What has God revealed through your life group leaders? What has God revealed through your mentorship times? What has God revealed through the, the conference that we had, the trigger sermon series that we had several months ago? that brought up all these issues. What is God forming and trying to reform in your life, trying to transform in your life right now that you're ignoring, that you're running away from, that you are the very reason why you're not living out your purpose? I'm wondering if some of us, we would repent and realize instead of fighting against God, going along with God in his direction, that we would actually take steps toward the purpose that God wants us to experience. So not only do we have to be found, we have to be formed. The last part is that we have to be faith-filled. We have to be faith-filled. We'll just read that verse again, Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When we think about having to be faith-filled, we have to understand what are these good works that God has prepared us for, for us to fulfill. I want to give us a, a good number of verse references. I'm not going to go into every single one of them. Just to give us an idea of what are these good works. Because I think some of us, when we think about purpose, usually our first, our first uh, instinct is to think about career, vocation, something that's connected to our major, you know, we have this idea that our purpose is this in, in this one job or in this one context or in this one role. But the good works that God has for us that he wants us to do is so much broader than that. Matthew 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's about giving glory to God in everything that you do. Acts 9, verse 36 says, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, in Greek her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Something about helping others, caring for the poor. God is always caring for justice. He wants justice for the oppressed, for the vulnerable. That's on God's heart. That is part of doing God's good work. Colossians 1, verse 10 says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, pleasing God, living a whole life worthy of God is doing a good work. Titus chapter 3 verse 1 says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So what is doing good work? It's also interpersonal relationships, caring for others, loving others, being kind, 
not quarreling, gentle. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it's also about community. It's, all about, it's also about living in community. This is why we emphasize life groups so much. This is why part of fulfilling your purpose is just being a good life group member. It's just being a faithful life group member. Some of you who are college students, what season's coming up? What, what's going on soon in about a month or a couple weeks? Oh, finals, that's right, yeah. What tends to happen when final season comes around with life groups? You don't want to say it, right? You're like too ashamed, like, oh, yeah, I tend to skip life group. Or I, I, I'm too busy. I got to study. I have an exam the next day. Oh, I'm not going to check my WhatsApp because there's too much going on. And, you know, the life group, there's so many messages, I just can't read them all. Are you really living out your purpose that God has given you as a part of the community? Not just college students. It's April. First quarter end. Some of you are in the accounting or audit business. It's like crazy right now. Like, yeah, I can't come to life group. It's just, there's no way. All my other colleagues, they're doing OT. And yeah, my boss would totally have me. Even though I'm done with all my work, I just got to, you know, make sure that I'm there just so that, you know, I save face. Are you living out your purpose? Are you being that person who is loving others in community, caring for others, living a life in a manner worthy of the Lord? And I think the interesting thing is that, that Paul, he doesn't say just doing things. I, I think when we read that verse in, in Ephesians 2.10, he says, you know, that we should walk in them. In other translations, they translate it as, the, as, as doing good things. But I think doing good things is, is not the best translation. I think walking in them is actually the best translation. Why? Because this idea of walking has this idea of it's a lifestyle. It's a step-by-step decision that you take every single day. It's not just a one-time decision. It's a series of decisions every single day that you make. And every single step that you take is a step of what? A step of faith. Because every single decision you make, just to wake up in the morning, to go to class, to go to your job, to go to life group, to read your Bible, that is a decision of faith. To say, God, I want to live out my purpose that you've given to me. Can, can you guarantee that that step of faith will get you to your purpose? No, you cannot do that. That's why it's faith. You, you don't know if this is ultimately going to get you there, but that's why it's faith, because you trust in someone else who is getting you there. That's why he says in, in that verse, he says that God prepared beforehand. NIV, it says prepared in advance for us to do. NLT says planned for us long ago. Amplified says prearranged and made ready for us. When we plan, when we prepare, when we prearrange something, do we have a guarantee that it's going to happen? No. Like when you, working adults, when you are on a project, your boss, or maybe you're the boss, and you set a deadline, what percentage of time do you hit that deadline? 
You're blessed if it's like 10%, 20%. Especially if you're in an IT project. I know, I've been there. Those of you students, how many of you, you, you create a, a study schedule? How many of you follow it? How, families, I know there's, with young children, how many of you set out to do something at a certain time and it happens exactly that way? No way, right? The baby runs your life. At least so as I've heard, so I'm not ready for that life yet. <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've heard that I'm going to have a rude awakening soon. <laughs> Nothing that we plan, prearrange, or prepare for in our own ability, in our control, happens the way that we set it out to do. So for you to somehow think that you can control your life and then reach your purpose, you are, you are beyond logic. You're going against every experience that every single person, human, on this earth has. But somehow we still find ourselves going to the same thing, thinking that we can control, thinking that we can plan it out, thinking that we can somehow arrange everything in our lives. Sorry. <laughs> right? You can't plan. Somehow thinking that we can control it, there's no way that's going to happen. But what if? What if someone else prepared it or planned for it? What do you have to do? Let's say your friend is planning a surprise for you. Let's say someone else, your parents are planning or preparing something for you. What can you do? The only thing you can do is trust. The only thing you can do is have faith. Can you really have faith in another human? No. But that only leaves us with the option to do is to trust God, to have faith in God. That means every single moment, every decision that you make, every step that you take is a step of faith that you have to take in believing and trusting. If God is a creator God, if he is perfect, if he is Lord of the universe, he created you, he formed you, he knows everything, he planned everything out, then every single decision I make today, that means I'm going to step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you for my career. I'm going to trust you for my future. I'm going to trust you for my family. I'm going to trust you for my relationship. I'm going to trust you for my children. I'm going to trust you for my friendships. Because the other option, which is trying to take control of ourselves, of our own lives, is always going to leave us wanting. It's always going to leave us disappointed. And all of us, we've experienced that before. And it's not just for us as individuals. For us as a church as well, we have this bold vision. Hopefully by the end of 2022, that's in less than uh, almost about a year and a half to go. And we're like, we want to see, see so many things. We want to see an HMI Institute. We want to see a church planted. Who knows if it's going to be in Shenzhen or another city like that. We want to see another site opened up in Hong Kong. We on, so we want to see new life, amen, focus, new life groups in your area on the island, right, Kowloon, new territories, that'll be awesome. Those of you who are, I heard there's some BU students, yeah, all right, CityU students, Lingnan, EdU, and what would it be like to have a life group on your campus? What would it be like for us to meet in HKCEC every Sunday, all right, or have our own building? 
a hub that we could go and just do missions, do outreach, welcome people in, really see transformation. Not going to happen overnight. But what do we have to do? We have to have faith and trust God that as we take step by step, sorry, this just came to mind, shameless plug, but faithfully giving week by week, faithfully attending life through, faithfully reading our Bible, faithfully praying every single day, faithfully going to work, faithfully doing all the things that we committed to do. That's, that's how we're going to get there. And we're going to look back right now in that moment. It might not seem like, oh, God, what are you doing? I don't really see it. But when you look back, you're like, wow, God, you really use every single one of those moments to get us to where we are today. Hudson Taylor, who's actually one of the most well-known and famous missionaries to China back in the 1800s, and uh, he just said this really simple thing. He says, a little thing is a little thing. But faithfulness in little things is a great thing. It's just that daily step of obedience, that daily faithfulness that we take every single day. That becomes a great thing. Why? Not because of us, not because we're so great. It's because we believe in a God who has found us. We believe in a God who has formed us. And therefore, we can be faith-filled every single day to trust that he's going to get us to that greater purpose that we're looking for. I, I know... Some of this might be like, you know, Pastor Paul, I've, I've been there, I've tried, I've failed so many times, I've fallen down, I, I'm so discouraged, I don't know where to go. And I think that's, that's the amazing thing about the gospel. It's not a self-help, it's not a self-improvement, it's not a, yeah, you can do it, you know, type of message. It is, it is a message, it is a good news that you cannot do it. You have not done it. You're not able to do it. But we have a God who has done it before us. That's the amazing news, that the, the forming, the, the finding, it is not our responsibility. It is God's responsibility. All we do is a response to what he has already done. And this is what Jesus did. In John 12, verse 24 to 27, and the 31 to 33, I'm reach it, read it in the HCSB. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. And verse 31 now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. This is the hope that we have. It wasn't that we were able to be finding ourselves. It's not because we're able to form ourselves. It's not because we're able to take all these steps of faith on our own. It's because Jesus Christ, he was found. He was found. He was broken. He was beaten for us. And yet God found him. The Father found him. He was formed. He went through suffering. He went through the cross. And he persevered because of our sins and our brokenness and our wickedness. And he took steps of faith. He took that step of faith to say, what shall I say? Father, save me from the, before this purpose I have come. He was the faithful one who followed through even when we were faithless. 
And as, as we look not only just to his example, but his work on the cross, and our response is simply just to say, God, man, you're amazing. And so would you do that same work in my life as I just follow you step by step faithfully as you've gone before me? That's why our hope is in Christ. That's why our only purpose that we can be found in, that we can find, is the one that God has created for us. And that's why the one thing is that to find our life purpose, we must follow God's process. We have to follow God's process. I want to give us a few next steps for us to remember and to, to follow through with. The first one is remember how you were found. Just remember how you were found. I think so many of us, we've been doing this for some time. Uh, those of us who even got baptized recently are like, oh man, I, that, that baptism high is gone. I'm struggling now. Remember what God did in your life. Go back to that time. Go back to your first love. Read your journal entries of when you first accepted Christ. Read and remember what was that like? What was that feeling like? What did you experience? And don't discount the work that God has done in your life. Remember that you, you didn't save yourself. Hopefully that will humble us and put us into a position that we're saying, God, okay, yeah, I need saving. Second thing is recommit to being formed. Recommit to being formed. I think some of us, we've been having some hard conversations with others in community. And those people who have been just speaking hard truth because they love and care for us, and we've been, whether it's defensive or argumentative or been resistant, like, let's recommit to being formed. Let's recommit to saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, I realize that I've been, like, resistant. I haven't been open. I've been hard-hearted. But I, I really want to repent, and I want to invite you back into my life. I want to invite that, that truth back into my life because I know that if, if I want to be in line with God's purpose, that I have to be willing to be refined. I have to be willing to be accountable, held accountable to whatever it is that I committed to. And third thing is respond with steps of faith. And I'm not talking about just the big things. I, I praise God for the big steps that we're taking and for many of the things that we're following through. But I think sometimes it's the little things that matter. It's the daily disciplines that require faith to say, I believe, God, that you're going to use this to help me to fulfill the purpose that you've given for me. I believe that going to life group, I believe that investing, I believe that you know, going to work, reaching out, every single investment is going to make a difference. And if we do that, I, I believe that we're going to see some amazing things happen. I, I just wanted to close with this video. Um, uh, it was in the news, uh, not, not very world news, but it, it was of this man who um, experienced a stroke. And uh, before the stroke, he actually was very purposeless in his life. Didn't have much going on. But after the stroke, something happened. And as a result of that, he, there was just this newfound purpose that he experienced. And I just want us to watch it. It doesn't come from a Christian perspective, um, so don't read too much into it. But uh, I think what he experiences and what he's able to encounter and find a new purpose, I think really can teach us a lot about what it means to follow Christ and be part of God's process as we look for our purpose. So let's watch it together. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.